I did what you said. I gave it a lot of thought, and I decided that once and for all, it's over. The truth is, this therapy is a jerk-off. You know it, and I know it. I actually don't know it, but please continue. It's a jerk-off. Yes, you've said that. Is this show a jerk-off? Welcome, my friends, to Cut to Black, a Sopranos sit-down. My name is Jim Scampoli, and I've seen every single episode of The Sopranos. My name is Jacob Burrows, and I've seen 82 episodes of The Sopranos. Uh, Yeah, it's a jerk-off. Welcome to (laughs) the uh, 17th episode of Season 6, Walk Like a Man. Who put this episode together, Jim? This episode was written and directed by Terrence Winter. Uh, this is directorial debut, and I believe I read a little factoid. He's besides David Chase, he's the only um, writer to uh, make the crossover to directing as well. Uh, and he's a name. I mean, he's a mainstay. He's written a ton of episodes, but yes, this is his mm. first episode directing. I would assume it's his last one then, because we're coming right <laughs> yeah. up on the end there. So. Uh, but did he, because he, he's written a lot of stuff afterwards. Has he directed things as well, I wonder? Um, I'm not so sure. Actually, you know what? That is a great question. Let me take a look no. real quick. I actually, did have a quick look. Not as far as I can see. He's mainly just been a writer. Yeah, but, I, I think know. it was just this episode of Sopranos. Mm. But yeah, he's ready well, you got to get, like, if you're doing The Sopranos, or I guess if you're doing, I, we're always talking about Breaking Bad, or Gilmore Girls, uh, <laughs> but not Gilmore Girls this time. If you're doing The Sopranos, um, like, Come on, like let me direct one. <laughs> yeah. Come on, let's come on. <laughs> you know, I guess you know I, I can do it. Put me I, in, coach. I didn't even realize. I get. I I thought I knew this, but I guess it's coming up as a surprise to me right now. He also wrote the Wolf of Wall Street or the the script for it. I didn't realize that. Mm. Of course, I knew Very he good. wrote Get Rich or Die Trying, the Fifty Cent movie. Yeah, I just knew him as creator and executive producer of Boardwalk Empire. Yes, of course. That's a big thing, of course. Um, so yeah, this episode, uh, walk like a man. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty, uh, let's see, Polly and, uh, Christopher heavy with a lot of AJ thrown in as well. It's a good mix of stuff going on here. Emotional home life therapy. And of course, mob shit. Um, let's just dive right into it, Jim. We start with a painting. Let's talk about the painting for a while. <laughs> yeah, we uh, like before we turn the mics on, we were like, was that painting always there? And I guess it was always there. And it's hidden by the headboard. Uh, it is the Carmignano visitation by Pontormo, uh, which, you know, based- I love it when you speak <laughs> Italian, Jim. <laughs> Based on, uh, you know, art historians, these are not my own thoughts. They do kind of break this painting down, basic theme about uh, male dominance. And uh, the ba- well, the basic themes are uh, fengdudity and communication, which... What, is the, what was that first one, Jim? No, <laughs> yeah, so, we're not going back, which makes an interesting choice to go behind a marital bed. Uh, and yeah, the image about male dominance, purpose of women being physical props to bear children. Uh, great choice for Tony. Um, you know, the Sopranos. The, yeah, the thing about the painting is, I remember seeing it, I, I swear, like, season one or whatever, and I also, a distinct memory of them having, like, a pillar with a vase on it. 
just a big gaudy pillar and this painting in some wide shots but i don't remember seeing it in forever and i don't know if i just got used to it being there or if it's the fact that it's kind of mostly hidden behind the headboard like most of the actual painting is behind hidden behind the bed which is so silly to have such a big painting and then just hide most of it um well you know but... and now that you bring it up i have a memory of one of the episodes when tony's banging on the wall telling like aj to sh- turn down the music or whatever i remember yes, you asking right about the painting and i was like what painting what are you talking about (laughs) (laughs) yes exactly that's what i'm thinking of um and so we are talking about this because the very first shot as they fade from black is of this painting and then moving down on tony i'm sure there's some additional significance to the painting but you know what what are we film critics yeah what what are we gonna do here come on this is about mob stuff yeah what are we we art historians um so yeah because now we get to i mean we we then get to the classic tony coming down in his robe it's one of my favorite things i'm gonna miss it so much when i'm not watching the sopranos every week uh but we you know it's interesting that we start with tony in bed at first so we get to see we get to stay in his point of view usually it's like something's going on in the kitchen and then tony lumbers down the stairs to be annoyed by whatever's happening uh, but we're, this we're, happened a couple of episodes ago too, where we followed Tony as Polly was coming yes, to the house. Yep. Um, so it's interesting to return to this sort of format start <laughs> of like it's almost like he's going on an adventure, and he literally starts in a state of like there is nothing happening, and the first thing he sees when he comes down is AJ watching cartoons, and that's kind of the big problem for his part of the episode i'd say it's even bigger than the paulie christopher thing as far as he's concerned anyway yeah and going back to what you're talking about this episode being a lot about paulie a lot about christopher and of course aj um david chase was talking about this season and they did make a choice to kind of focus on other characters besides tony and you know, we're seeing that play out between the past few episodes we've been discussing it is like a weird not like farewell, but, you know, farewell to like a long episode about this guy where we're following this character for a bit uh, yeah. and being in their, their head, in their headspace. Yep. And um, uh, AJ's really annoyed at his mom. He's basically regressing watching cartoons saying, oh, how many times are you going to ask me? But like the thing she's asking if it is if he wants anything to eat. Yeah. And he does yell like, oh, why does this family think food is the solution to every problem? Yeah. Which is a good point. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, it's just kind of setting the scene for, you know, uh, they didn't, they were probably happy. I think Carmilla even says she was happy that things ended uh, you know, the culture divide, Ugh. which is a great way of yeah. <laughs> saying what she's saying there. Um, the culture, oh, that culture divide. Um, but yeah, obviously, AJ's not doing too hot. Um, yeah, Carmela wasn't too happy with AJ dipping into the urban demo. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, just put it that exactly. way. <laughs> um, so we have, uh, like, the next shot is uh, interesting here. We start out at, so Christopher's wife's dad uh where i swear i forgot christopher was married like with yeah. everything going on like it, it totally slipped my mind so it took a moment to calculate what's going on here but it's just like there's a police car outside and this is obviously like a an intentional thing but what it's showing is like all the police guys are there to buy like fell off the back of a truck power tools because they're all handymen that's what's <laughs> happening right yeah they have some comment about how yeah uh, i guess all the policemen like to fancy themselves handymen and in their spare time they're just like 
building additions on their home or decks to their house and stuff like that. So, you know, hey, cheap power tools. Let's get in on it. And some of them were wearing their uniforms and stuff, and it's just great. I don't know. <laughs> I, it's weird that they're all policemen. I'll say that. Like, there, if there was one there, I would believe it more. But it's like there's a whole line of them, and they are all clearly policemen, which is when I'm like, okay. <laughs> um, but it is supposed to be that, like, I, I guess it makes sense, you know, if you're... If you can get a power tool for 200 and it would have got 600 like, uh, you know, why look too much into where it came from? I, I just want to build this deck. Yeah. Well, and as this plays out, who's more in the wrong? I mean, Polly for messing with Chris's family or Chris for even trying to involve his family in this situation? Yeah, I'd like, say the policemen are probably yeah. wrong. We took an oath to <laughs> uphold true. the law. Protect uh, and serve. Buying stolen goods. Um yeah, I mean, the, their reactions, I'd say that uh, Christopher's probably more in the wrong with how he reacts to it. But if you're talking about just the base layer um, involving your family, hey, it's a family, hey. Like, uh, you got to involve the family a little bit. So I don't think Christopher's any wrong yeah. for doing that. Yeah, and you have to, I mean, like... Any, any more wrong than usual. <laughs> Sorry, I should clarify. <laughs> you have to figure for Chris's father-in-law, like, it's, it's some easy money... But the way, like, every character who's on the outside of this thing of ours on The Sopranos, and I would, I would assume even in real life, you, you can tell that they always, they just get a kick out of being involved. Like, it's like a fun little adventure at first. But then when you have yeah. to deal with, like, the realities of that, you're dealing with criminals and you can't really trust them not to uh, rob you or, you know, not care about you when it comes down to it, no matter what you're affiliation is unless you're you know you've taken that oath you're uh you've you've been made like chris or Polly. but even then sometimes you might rub someone the wrong way so but i i love the fascination because i mean that's all obviously a comment on us because we're watching a mob show and yeah. we're we're not christopher or tony in this situation we're the father-in-law or the old man that gets to be like yeah get him from the back or whatever we're we're just vicariously thinking that we're mobsters, you know? Yeah, and especially when they come in flexing like, oh, he should have called you. I can't uh, believe it. Oh. And then you're kind of like, yeah, right, he, he should have called me because you don't want to be the guy who's like, this is bullshit or whatever <laughs> when you're already out of your depth. Yes. Um, so we have Christopher and Polly getting along splendidly, having a great time. They're divvying up the cut. This is working out great for everyone. And... Uh, it's always like when you see these two getting along, you have to, at this point, you're like, you got to understand. I didn't think it this time, but usually I'm like, something's not right here. Yeah. This is about to turn. Something's about to go wrong. Um, but yeah, they're, he's, he's complaining, Polly, about him drinking club soda. And, you know, just, uh, and, and Christopher has a good point later where he's like, well, if I, if I have a drink, I'm a alcoholic. If I don't have one, I'm a bore. And that's because he's been pretty good about that lately. Uh, he's getting more ragged on for not being around and not being in the circle and uh, being there when decisions are made and so on. He doesn't even go with Polly to get a you know s steak or whatever on Polly. So, yeah, well, I guess he's got himself to blame. I yeah, I feel really bad for Chris because it, I think most most of what he says in this episode is all correct uh, and he is trying to do the right thing and. They even tie it in a little bit when we see the group therapy scene 
I'm sure this is a common thing that addicts might deal with. Like one of the other guys says, you know, hey, everyone was all gung ho at the intervention. But then now people are kind of annoyed with me when I'm trying to do the right thing. Because now they're like, oh, Jesus, this again? You know, I could see that being a real reaction uh, to, to trying to, you know, deal with this in your re- regular life. Uh, no, and for f- sure. Uh, I'll, to add on to that, yeah. uh, on the, I live in Ireland. <laughs> so there's a lot of pubs and all of the socializing happens at pubs yeah. and there have been periods of time where either because I'm on antibiotics uh, or because I'm just feeling down and alcohol is a depressant <laughs> and like sometimes I'm just like I don't want to drink right now sometimes I want to drink a lot and that can also be good and fun but sometimes for periods of time I'm like I don't really think this is a good idea for my mental well-being right now so I'm just not gonna but I'm not involved in a huge crime syndicate, and even still, I feel like it's not a pressure necessarily, but it's kind of like, what? Oh, what? You're uh, on Because you can go and have a non-alcoholic beer or whatever, but it is kind of like, <laughs> like Tony, you know, at the barbecue at this episode, where he's like, ah, oh, it tastes like ass or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> some of it's good. Yeah. I will say some of it's good. But I'm just saying, even not having your job depend on it, not being able to participate fully in each social situation uh if you're doing it permanently like chris and the people in the group therapy are trying to do then i could see that being a real challenge the fact that you're not just not drinking alcohol or not doing drugs or whatever you're also you have to exclude yourselves from situations that also have lots of other positives connected to them yeah yeah absolutely and i mean i do think that uh he takes it a little too far. He could have gone and went and had a nice steak with Polly. We know t- Polly likes a nice steak and a baked potato. Like he tried to get at that hotel that only had wraps after after a certain time. I mean, yeah. I'm sure he would have had to take a few a little bit more ribbing about not drinking there. But hey, they would have had a nice steak, a nice bonding moment. But he is hey, kind of Jim. Being sorry to cut you off, but uh, just imagine going for dinner with Polly and there's <laughs> no one else there. He's gonna talk at. So yeah. just oh, bear yeah. that in mind. Imagine Tony's face at the end of that episode, you know, when Polly's just laughing in the background. Yeah, very <laughs> true. Very, very true. He is a lonely man. You'd hear a lot of remember when stories about the bed bug house back in 78. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I see both sides, but I see what you're saying as well, because yeah. uh, it could potentially have prevented all of this. Yes. So that would have been good. Uh, then we have what? Oh, yeah. The... Um, Agent Harris is still, you know, he's at Satchirelli's all the time. He's been fiending for those hoagies uh, ever since he got back from overseas, and he's still hanging out there. And Tony decides to kind of be a rat almost, you know? I mean, I guess technically he's not ratting on uh, someone in this thing of ours, but, you know, he's he's given a little tip on some Muslim people that were uh, going to a, a mosque. <laughs> So yeah, hot tip. <laughs> agent, agent, uh, what is it? Agent Harris and Agent uh, Colson. Uh, <laughs> they're there chatting about. Yeah, I don't know. It's like the weird thing is Tony's probably right, but he's right because he's racist. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because these guys have been around and they've done shady dealings, and that's the reason you should have given 
them this information if you were going to. But the reason he's giving them this information is he saw them go to a place where they were acting all like religious. So <laughs> that's probably that probably means they're terrorists, right? Yeah, because um, they probably least... are because they've been asking for all sorts of weapons and yes. shit as well. Yeah. So that's the reason, but that's not why he does it. But um, but yeah, it does feel like. Uh, I don't know. It still feels like the right move, even if it's uh, motivated from the wrong direction. Yeah, well, it's just interesting um, because, uh, yeah, I, I feel like even the maybe his other associates. I don't know. I wonder if if this was something that got out. I guess people would still rationalize it because it's not like an Italian, but he is technically giving information to the FBI. But then again, what, they're putting a thing on his permanent record or whatever the hell they're talking about here, where in case something does happen in court, they could pull that little file out. Is that even yeah. real, do you think, or is that just something they're telling him? I don't know. I, I, I think maybe if if this actually leads to something, uh, Agent Harris seems, uh, I don't know, stand up enough that because he's always like he's genuinely there for the sandwiches, I think. I thought yeah. he was bullshitting at first, but like he just hangs out there and he even t he talks about how he doesn't like Phil. And I don't think he's in Brooklyn talking about how he doesn't like Tony. I think Tony keeps things clean enough and like doesn't there's not a lot of collateral damage around Tony and like, yeah, he's a criminal and I tried to catch him, but guess what? I'm on a different division now. So whatever. So I think he would write the thing and put it in if this leads to something, but if it doesn't, he probably wouldn't. Uh, and I think it probably, I mean, like we, like we saw with Carmilla, he, Tony always has this piano hanging over his head that it could happen at any time. And that might be really helpful. So, um, I, I believe it, but I don't know. Yeah. Well, and I love how this relationship has changed with him and Agent Harris where, yeah, he is kind of like almost a friend. Because, I mean, what, he did come and give him like a little warning about Phil uh, in the past. And now they're kind of on this like friendly terms where he is hanging out. Yeah. And, you know, he's kind of rooting for Tony at the very least. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, so he gives Chris a call. Chris is just hanging out. Uh, on his on his Great front lawn. stoop, Great lawn. yeah, his awesome lawn. Just yeah, it is nice that it's there to kind of like this scene is there just to get an extra couple shots of the lawn for the you know the payoff later because he's just sitting on his stoop and they're having like a picnic in front of their house. So yes, as far as uh, what people would say if this came out, I think if these guys were still around and still like earning money or whatever, um. I think it might be like, damn, Tony made those guys go away. But mm. because, as Christopher says, they just kind of vanished, you know, and I can't even get a hold of them, uh, I don't think they would care. Because even even Christopher was thinking, like, maybe there's some terror shit going on with them. And if Tony, if it were to come out that Tony did this, and he's like, yeah, they were, like, planning to blow up, a, you know, a church. Like, no one would be against that, even if he talked to the FBI, I think. Yeah. Then we have AJ and Blanca at the site. And, I mean, I guess they're keeping it uh, on friends or friendly terms. They got coffee. Um, she does mention that last time he cried in the Starbucks. Uh, <laughs> and you uh, know. This scene is so painful. It's yeah. so bad. Because um, there's this guy. He's just like, hey, what's up? And she's like, hey, what's up? And he's like, um, what's going on? And... Uh, <laughs> And then at the end, when he's walking away crying, that guy's kind of looking at him and laughing. Yeah. Oh, it's heartbreaking. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a this episode, there's a lot of AJ and a lot of, like, you know, his sadness and his depression. Uh, I do want to read a little of uh, 
Chase talking about AJ when he's talking about like this season and like the show in general. And okay. uh, it's what I've seen as well, just in in the Facebook groups and stuff. People hate AJ, and that's what David Chase says here. People hated AJ, and I just didn't get it. Um, I think I touched on this before, but I didn't read this exact uh, passage. Mm. I wanted them to try to understand what his problem was. I still don't know why they hated him. Was it because he was entitled? Uh, I worry about AJ getting a bum rap. They say if you're a writer, all the characters are you. I kind of believe that in the case of AJ. I think I see myself as a teenager, as a kind of a bumbling person. The king of most literary teenagers is Holden Caulfield, and I see a little of him in AJ. To me, Holden Caulfield was his voice going, why, what, why? <laughs> That's the way I see AJ. I think I probably like, I think I was probably like that when I was a kid, which is why I stick up for AJ. Because people fucking hate him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of, um, I, I could see why people hate him, but I can also like, I don't know. I think it's too much, uh, too much hatred. And he's there like, he, take all the good and bad that's been put into the world by these characters and you look at AJ and you look at Tony Soprano and it's like AJ's not that bad, right? Yeah, and also there's there's a there's a way to hate him where like the show does want you to hate him. So yeah. there is part of, like part of that, but there are some people that it's like a de- like they detest they're like why is this on the show? What is this waste of time? Mm. Uh but yeah, anyways, we get to kind of and I I've always stood by the fact that it's a hint of young Tony, I mean, and it, oh, yeah. maybe not to this extreme because he's more spoiled and he uh, gets a little, he is more entitled and he gets more out of just being like a loser, but it's a lot of Tony there. And yeah, I just, I was scrolling through the scene where he, he has to kind of put his hand up as he's crying and those dudes walk by, like kind of smiling oh. at him because he tries yeah. to hug her and she like pulls away and ugh. it's rough. Um, yeah, he he doesn't really have much luck. It's it's great that all of this is building up to him becoming uh, addicted to violence. <laughs> so, um, the next scene, um, Tony's chatting up one of the girls at the Bing and gets a call from Carmilla, who's really worried about AJ, wants him to come home and, and talk to him. Um, and he does. AJ's in bed, you know, and, and Tony walks in and... I feel like there's a series of scenes where Tony tries to talk some sense into AJ here with varying amounts of uh, success. And there's a great line about, like, it's just so funny when Tony's like, ah, feeling like this, there's a billion-dollar industry built around it. And he's like, Prozac? And he's like, no, the blues. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and talking about how he's actually, like, a, a good guy, you know? he's And it's... I just love the mix of like earnest emotion and then some racism thrown in where he's like, you know, you're honest and smart and a hard worker and let's be honest, white, <laughs> which is a big advantage these days. Yeah. I love the these days yeah. comments as well. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, that's great. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I mean, it, and it is kind of, it, it's, it's vaguely reminiscent of just an episode ago when they're trying to talk to Vito Jr. because it is this similar like, you know, I mean, the episode's called Walk Like a Man. It is kind of like, let's just man up. Let's push past it. And some of what Tony is going for, I don't think is completely wrong. Like, when he's just trying to get him to go out and, like, socialize with people. I mean, yeah. I think that's common. That's what your friends would try to do for you when you're going through a breakup. I think it, or when you're depressed. And it is, like, a natural thing to try to do to just get your mind off of it. The The main issue is that, He's pushing him to go hang out with kids of his 
fellow criminals knowing that those kids are also criminals and like yeah. caught up in stuff and he's always been this big guy about making sure AJ had something better but in a weird way he he must know he's pushing him like oh they're doing bookie stuff and sports gambling and kicking up payloads so he's going to be involved in that I don't think Tony realizes that uh, at all, to be honest. Oh, <laughs> uh, wow. Um, yeah, so the scene, the scene, he's given some good advice, but it's kind of uh, punctured when he tells him to go get a blowjob and AJ yells that he doesn't want a blowjob. And, uh, and Tony tells him to keep his voice down. He's like, why? Who's out there? And Carmella uh, comes in like, ah, yeah. fuck me. Um, and he just basically talks a lot about how he can't see any point to it all, making him think uh, making the parents think that uh, it might need some of that good old therapy because it worked so well for tony yeah yeah and it reminded me of like it's a more extreme version of uh remember young aj was like what is the point you know when he was getting all philosophical as well but it wasn't like from a depression but now it's more of a like what is the point like uh should i even be alive anymore I don't remember that. I just remember young AJ chasing that fly, man. <laughs> I just remember when uh, I think I think they tried to take him to therapy before because yeah. he had a teacher that was like getting philosophical. And then he was like, you know, what? What? But why? Why exist? And uh, it freaked them out. And they're like, you know, the, the Soprano family doesn't deal well with that. Uh, yeah. But yeah, from here, what we have? Oh, we're back at Chris's house. He's got a housewarming party. They have a cleaver poster up in the house, of course. Yeah. Um, and that uh, surprised they're not all wearing hats, yeah. you know, cleaver hats. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and yeah, Chris's man in the grill, much like Tony does. Um, going back to what we talked about before, like again. Bobby and Tony are like tight now because yeah yeah I noticed that too they're kind of they're the ones off to the side chatting yes um, yeah and he walks over to Chris and he's giving him shit about his non-alcoholic uh piece of shit booze that he's drinking and uh, you know he's kind of critiquing his skills on the on the grill uh they start getting into what the the the, the disease that is alcoholism yeah. Uh, and they mentioned Dickie Moltisanti, who was Tony's hero, uh, as he's talked about in the past, almost like his father figure. But, uh, you know, it ends with Chris saying that he was basically just a junkie. So yeah. what does that mean for Tony if his hero was a junkie? Yeah. And so um trying to get a read on what Tony's saying there when, um, you know, Christopher is talking about how hard it is at Satralis to have a fridge full of beer and Tony says, uh, so then just quit. You want a beer? Too bad. And is he saying, because he just tells him to show some balls, is he saying, like, quit not drinking or quit, like, what is he saying? That's how I read it. I read it as yeah. thinking, well, just, you know, you could just have a beer, like, but, you know, clearly that's not the case. Uh, like, yeah, and he, yeah, you're right. And I, he has such a shit uh, eggplant thing where, like, I would love to have an eggplant, but because of my <laughs> stomach, uh, yeah, I yeah. can't. Yeah. So you know what? Suck it up. Yeah. And Christopher very rightly is like, it's not that simple. <laughs> and they talk about the disease and how Tony doesn't subscribe to any of that. But it does. Uh, I mean, it does uh, mingle really well with the stuff going on with AJ as he gets into with Melfi later, that he feels bad for passing this on to his son. Yes. Um, because just like it is for Christopher disease, you know, it, it isn't really 
I don't know. It, it's like all of this pushing early on in the episode from Paulie and, um, and Tony here. It's what leads him to drink later. Uh, in the scene later, it's not like they're like, have a drink, you dick. He's actually doing well and everything's kind of cool and he works things out. And then he does it because of these earlier scenes, which is just kind of a shame. Yes. And like Tony already did this before and it didn't work well when he was like, when they had what the wine, when it was the Vipers or whatever, yeah. uh, and he's like, "Come on!" When he ended up in the in the closing down <laughs> carnival, high as fuck. Yeah, yeah. So it's not helping things. Like Tony, you're not doing well here. Um, but yeah, then we have uh, the yeah, a little Polly and some other guy are breaking into Chris's in laws' uh, sporting goods store to get the drill or whatever it was, uh, hardware store to get the drills. And they're like, oh, no, he was supposed to call you. He's supposed to let you know. Uh, very convincing. Um, and, you know, things are afoot. Things, this, this relationship isn't quite as uh, copacetic as it seemed when they were just laughing at the Bing, Polly, and Chris sharing money. Yeah. Um, so then we have uh, at the pizza oh. place at Beansy's where AJ sees a couple kissing and I love the cut that it just cuts to him crying again. <laughs> and I don't know, it's such a great edit and it's clearly just been a moment and he walks out and managing a pizza place. I mean, you have more experience uh, with pizza parlors than me, Jim. So yeah. you tell me. But this guy is really concerned that AJ's walking out and he's like, but, but you're the manager. Like, <laughs> The pizza place is going to be fine until the morning. Like, it's it's going to be fine, I think. But this guy, I, I still believe in his worry that there's not going to be a manager there and that this guy seems like he's not competent enough to run it on his own either. So AJ, despite being quite incompetent in general, was still actually at the top of the hierarchy where he belonged at the night shift. And now that pizza place is basically unmanned. Yes. Uh, what's your take, Jim? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. It's just like... You know, that poor guy, he's just an employee, yeah. but he's just cleaning the, the tables while uh, AJ just hangs out behind the counter. But it's like, what's he going to do when the, the captain of the ship leaves uh, in tears? But, but I love that line. I mean, they're also playing off how he's like an immigrant or whatever, because he's like, but you're a man of her. Uh, and he's yeah. all concerned that <laughs> he's just going to leave. And it is great because, yeah, we know AJ as just a fuck up. But maybe to this guy, he only sees him at work and not that he's that special. But you assume if if he is the manager, he must be smart. Yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, this is kind of a side thing, but I, I, I remember as well, like all we think about when we think about Bobby and Tony and that episode earlier on is like the big fight and everything. But before that, Tony uh. was talking about how him and Christopher, like, I don't know, this Christopher guy, he's never around. And then how, like when Christopher called him in the first episode, he just kind of hung up on him or whatever. Um, so I guess that rift is what we're seeing more of here. And he was also talking about like, maybe Bobby's the guy who should be my second in command. And I don't know, last episode and this episode, when they're just hanging out, talking about money stuff, it, it seems to be that that's sort of part of what Christopher is seeing and sensing as well. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and because I think the, like as a viewer, you just assume that that's all off the table because of the fight. Yeah. But the in-between stuff that we're not always privy to with the episodes, it actually 
it seemingly has made it a stronger uh, relationship with him and Bobby. And I guess because Christopher uh, is in the position he is, is in in the past he's had, like that fight wasn't enough to to break that idea down out of Tony's head. Yep. Um, so we go to the Bing, and Tony, he's collecting some money. Like we said, the there's these two Jasons um, who are the kids who go to college and they're doing collections or no, well not they're, they're like running. I don't know what they're doing. Jim. Yeah. It's kind of uh, like, a, it's kind of just like a, a, they're, they're running their own like bookie thing out of college. Yeah. You know, in their dorms with all these other assumingly rich kids making, making a lot of good money. And I mean, we're just, we're, we're seeing how like Tony is jealous of this, you know, uh, the way Patsy's talking about his son and he's so proud his son's in college and he's making money for the family by sports betting and he gets to see them hanging out at a strip club talking about like girls asses and their dicks and stuff like that and he's like ah why can't my son be like that but as yeah. as Melfi points out you don't know these people and you know it's it's almost like Tony's looking at Instagram and he's like, wow, everyone's living a great life for me. You know what I mean? Uh, I guess at the very least, it's the surface level. He wants a nice alpha male son uh, who just goes out and gets fucked up and goes to class. But he doesn't have that right now. Yeah. And uh, something we've spoken about as well, like everyone, how cool it is for everyone to have Tony Soprano around. Like, it's got to be pretty cool that you're these guys and you're just, you're kind of getting some money, collecting some money. You got to get a pretty big head, kind mm. of the kind of big head where you think it's a cool idea to uh, burn someone's feet with acid uh, <laughs> when you're just yeah. hanging out at the Bing and Tony Soprano's there just kind of shooting the shit with you. You know, he's on TV all the time for being a big, cool mobster. Um, so, you know, and and he's like, oh, yeah, you should, uh, you should uh, call AJ, you know, invite him to this party that they have booked at the Bing. And they're like, oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, uh, at first I was like, maybe they're just kind of like, oh, yeah, sure. Like, they, we don't want to hang out with AJ. But AJ is an extension of hanging out with Tony Soprano, yeah. as we see later, when mm -hmm. he's like, you see this guy here? Tony Soprano Jr. And, to and AJ doesn't have to do anything at all. He just is there, and it's kind of, like, cool. And he, that's something that he's so taken a step away from like uh since he tried to shoot junior <laughs> um so this is him getting plunged right back into that yes yeah absolutely um and yeah it's it's like an interesting thing that they don't dwell on too much but i mean we've seen it more and more with aj but like it's an interesting like novelty he gets to have where he can kind of immediately be this center of attention in a weird way or like people want to be around him, but then it's just this bizarre pressure. Uh, so I don't know, just a weird dynamic that he has to deal with. Uh, it's weird that I, uh, sorry to cut oh, you off. No, uh, I was going to say, it's just weird that it genuinely feels more healthy to hang out with these kids who are burning people's feet than to hang out at the clubs <laughs> where they're just using you for your money. These people actually like you more and, and you're not doing loads of drugs as far as I can tell. So it seems actually more healthy. So I'm kind of for it. Yeah. Yeah. Cause at the very least, even though they play off of his whole like Tony Soprano's son thing, they can relate because at least if their dads are capos, they may not be famous, but they kind of understand growing up in a mob household. So, yeah, you can give them that. Uh, then we have like Chris versus Polly, 
Uh, Chris shows up at Polly's house about the the issue with the father-in-law, and you know Polly's playing it off. Like, is there a possibility it was just a misunderstanding, or they were just trying to rip this guy off? They were looking for even more money to make here, correct? Just like rip him off as well. Yeah. I yeah. don't see how it could be any other way. <laughs> yeah, and no, also, I agree. don't they kind of handle the delivery? Like, couldn't they have taken the boxes out beforehand and go like, ah, those, you know, those spicks down south or whatever, yeah. they ripped us off. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's something they would do. But no, they have to, like, break into this place and get it? I don't know, man. Mm. But yeah, Polly tells him he'll, uh, he'll get the money for those, um, those power tools when uh, Christopher sucks it out of his ass. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Christopher doesn't really have a response to that. He heads to Satrielli's and uh, wants to talk about it. But hey, here's another sign of Bobby's coming up in the world. Bobby's there talking yep. about a potential multi-million dollar thing, and I don't even know what they're talking about. Yeah, they're point. looking at some papers. Yeah, him, Bobby, and Silvio. And yeah, apparently it's this big deal. But Chris is doing... He's he's not helping he's himself. Yeah, he's doing yeah. his Chris thing, like going back to like season one Chris. This is Scarface, fucking bazookas under each arm. Say hello to my little friend. Like he just comes barreling in and he's yelling about it. And don't get me wrong. I do think he's right. Like this is his family. This is different than, hey, we're fucking with this guy who owes me money. So we're using his business as a front. Uh, so Polly is being disrespectful here, but Chris is not helping his own situation, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Tony tells him to go and wait and they'll be done in a few minutes and they can talk about this shit, uh, which Tony brings up later. Like you could have just hung out and we could have fixed this, but yeah, uh, apparently just storms off. Yeah. Yeah. Is that a storm out? (laughs) (laughs) No, he was. Um, so Let's see. We have them. Then we have uh, uh, another scene in the Soprano bedroom uh, where Meadow comes in and she's real worried about AJ too. Um, that uh, he's been saying things that are really worrying, and I think this is kind of just to propel us forward into. Yeah, um, it's basically yeah. yeah everyone like even like because you can almost wonder at the way Carm's calling Tony and she's concerned. Like we know Tony's depressed. But is Carmela just getting a little worked up? Uh, but now Meadow's also seeing it. And then Tony comes down. Just another quick shot of AJ just kind of on the couch staring at the TV. Then we come into uh, Tony at therapy, which we heard a clip of at the beginning. Um, and I guess we hear that Tony did take to heart what she had said last week. And he was coming in to uh, be, be done with it. He was going to quit. But this AJ thing is keeping him uh, in therapy because, yeah, he does blame his genes and kind of what you mentioned before when Chris was talking about his disease he inherited from his father. Um, AJ, as we know, has panic attacks, and now he's prone to depression. And is it this putrid soprano gene that did it? Who knows? And he, Tony goes into the therapy session thinking he'll end it. And uh, the scene starts with him staring at the statue, which I think is he does before his like very first session yes. or whatever. Yeah. Um, so kind of a bookend there. And he's going to go in and finish it, uh, supposedly. But it gets real. And um, I don't know. Uh, Melfi's really glad that it gets real. I just like that 
it's definitely not an oasis at this point. Like you said before, like it's not like she is annoyed that it's become like a break for him to come and bullshit about his problems. And here they actually get into his self-hatred and how he, you know, when you have a sick child, you want to do everything to fix them. But how are you supposed to do that when you're, they're grown up and you see in them the parts that you hate of yourself yeah. and you wish you could take that out as well, but you're both carrying it because you made the decision to pass that on. And it's uh, some uh, real shit. Yeah. Real shit yeah. going on. Yeah. Yeah. And it seems like we haven't had something like that in a while. I mean, obviously it's on purpose because it was to show that like, this therapy was kind of done going nowhere, but yeah, it's nice to see, uh, some real stuff for Tony and yeah, he gets, you know, he's, he's getting emotional. He's getting angry. Uh, he's doing his Tony thing. And he, his conclusion is like, I fucking hate this. Like, yeah. I don't, I hate therapy. And is this all there is? Am I just, I, I think that's how, the, how I read his, his last line there where he's, he's like, after all the crying and all this bullshit, is this all there is? We're just going to get here and he's still going to be unhappy. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's not quite the same, but it's, you know, it's a, it's a similar fashion to AJ being like, you know, what's the point? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're both in that depressive state. I mean, AJ, maybe a little bit more. And uh, I think the Soprano Session book points out that this episode kind of shows all different versions of therapy because then, I mean, we have standard therapy, we have the group therapy, which is in this very next scene here. We have kind of like just t trying to get therapy from your family or friends, uh, stuff like that. And then we even see like uh, AJ in his own therapy. So they kind of, mm -hmm. it's a running thing throughout this episode. That's a good point. Uh, it's kind of like, like we've taken one episode to spend all episode with Polly. Now this episode, we're spending all of it with therapy as a concept. It <laughs> might be, you know, we're, we're running out of time. There's just four episodes left after this. So yeah. uh, this is where they chose to focus things this time. And I think it works. So in the next one with Christopher, he talks about how it's so despicable, how they like will pour your drink with one hand and judge you with the other is what he says, judging with the other hand, I guess, uh, yeah. um, when you take the drink. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, basically just talking hella shit about uh, Tony and how much he, he hates him, basically watching that scotch drool out of his fat fucking mouth, uh, getting a lot of stuff off his chest. I mean, and as we see throughout this episode, and, I mean, it comes more to a head later, Chris is getting closer and closer to just wanting to talk about tony's like real stuff like especially adriana obviously i guess that is you know a clear besides chris's own history with being kind of a fuck up and being a liability with his addiction i mean the adriana thing was a clear break between these two characters um and i don't know if we even really mentioned it but people were talking about recently there was discussion on one of the groups about the end of the a few episodes ago when they have uh, Chris's baby's like baptism and yeah. Tony and Chris have that hug, but there's mm. no emotion there anymore. Like they do, you yeah. do, you see Chris's eyes, like he's just wide open hugging them. And even Tony's like, they're not feeling it. It's like going through the motions. And yeah, Chris just wants to tell people <laughs> that, that, you know, he's in the mob and his uncle Tony is a murderer and uh, things are getting very dangerous. <laughs> You know what Christopher needs? Therapy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
Oh, and it's yeah, interesting. Yeah, so. we didn't talk about it, but yeah, he does bring up therapy to Tony at the barbecue, where yeah. he's like, "I thought you would understand this more because of therapy. Are you still doing that?" And like, you know, Tony doesn't want to get into that, of course. Yeah. Um, so Tony goes into the home cinema place where AJ's watching some some bullshit as he's been doing all episode, and tells him he's going to a party um, because he doesn't like he doesn't want to do anything. But Tony just says, you're, you're going to go. That's basically the point of this uh, scene, I think. I don't really yeah. remember much else from it. Yeah, yeah. He basically just says, because like, he's like, did you call him back? He's like, no. Well, you know, you're going to go. You're going to get out of this house. You're going to go to a party. You're going to socialize with kids your own age. I think they do flip on um, a, Char- a Charlton Heston movie. Oh, no, John Wayne. I'm sorry. So John Wayne, again, you know, uh, the the guy, the masculine, tough guy. Uh, almost like a strong silent type, almost a Gary Cooper. So nice way to tie it all together. Like, hey, just be a man. Just get back on that horse. Get out there. Get over it. Uh, you and you and my nephew Christopher. Just get over it already. Meanwhile, yeah. you know, uh, if a if a, a duck dies, <laughs> Tony's gonna be <laughs> in a puddle of his own tears. So <laughs> <laughs> great points. Um, so uh, there's a quick scene with Christopher and a guy from therapy, uh, group therapy, just uh, kind of to talk about the same stuff. And like you said, to kind of indicate that Christopher's like, he really needs to talk about Adriana because he's like, ah, oh, there was a woman and like she had, became a problem and I sided with him, you know, and, and, that, and he says that's where the relationship got poisoned. So, yeah. Yeah. Some of that, some of that actually from the horse's mouth there. Yep. And then we have uh, little Polly and his dude rolling through into the hardware store and yeah, playing the old like, hey, call him up. Oh, it's his voicemail. Uh, I mean, it's brilliant, brilliant ways to just kind of act as if really sell the scene and go and get more drills um, <laughs> because it's like, yeah, I guess. And then AJ's in therapy and like, I like that. I think we've talked about this before. Sopranos, I feel like the Melfi scenes, they're trying to say therapy can be helpful, like, but you have to do your own part. But then when they have other therapists, they're kind of like, therapy's bullshit, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's interesting. I wanted to ask you about that because his questions are like the most basic shit ever. Like, what was her name? And, <laughs> you know, have you been sleeping lately? I'm going to prescribe you some pills. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if that's... I, I, from the look of this therapist's face, he's not good. Uh, he's like the way he's acted. I mean, he's acted well. I'm saying the therapist seemingly is bad at his job, but you could also explain it potentially as like, this is the first session. This guy doesn't want to talk. I'm gonna, and he's only going to ask or uh, answer a simple yes or no questions or whatever for facts. So that's all I'm going to ask for, for now. And we're going to get the ball rolling slowly. That's the, that's the positive way of viewing it. But on the surface, it certainly seems like, ha, wouldn't it be funny if, like, you had a really bad therapist? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I love the callback earlier when Melfi's like, should I recommend someone? And he's in, uh, Tony's like, no. After that wackadoo that you had Meadow go to, uh, he's like, yeah. yeah, we're all set with your recommendations. But it's like, yep. this guy's great. But yeah, you're right. There could You could maybe rationalize it that this is just kind of the beginning stages of real therapy. Yeah. So then we have AJ at the party, just hanging out. I have to say, even though he's obviously unhappy, his uh, 
his brooding not saying much, it really works for him as a look. <laughs> if you compare him to how he's acted and stuff in other situations, now he can kind of be the guy who's there, and they're like, you know who this is? Fucking Tony Soprano Jr. And Because he, he's just kind of standing there, monosyllabic. If he had a leather jacket, man, oh. I don't know. It might be a look. Yeah, it could be a Jackie Jr. situation. Exactly. <laughs> That's all he had exactly. was a leather jacket and a smug, and a smug look. Yeah, because everyone around him is kind of like, I'm going to hook you up with this. Uh, like, they're all kind of drunk, yeah, idiot assholes. And some uh, one of the strippers comes up like, can I dance for you, baby? And he's like, I guess. Which is so the correct answer if you're trying to be cool guy. <laughs> yeah. But he's not trying to be cool guy. He literally doesn't care about anything around him. But I don't know. It's kind of a vibe. It makes but, you... Sorry I said that. Well, no, but you're right. Because he's just he's working with what he has. And just the fact that when you act like n- nothing matters uh, in this situation, it makes you more uh, enticing. It's like, wow, what's yeah. this guy's story? Oh, yeah. You don't really, but spoiler alert, you don't really want to know his story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's true. Um, so then we have a nice fun poker game between friends um, where everyone's just hanging out, having a good time. And then Christopher comes in and beats up little Polly. And everyone just kind of watches, like, you know, uh, fair enough. They I don't know if they know that he fucked uh, Christopher over or whatever, but, you know, he probably has a reason for beating him up. And then he throws him out the window uh, in, you know, what you would assume would kill a person. But uh, I guess not. I guess he's, he, he's down there moaning, and he's telling, Christopher's just going to pay the hospital bills, and there's just going to be another one of those characters that's going to walk with a cane later <laughs> or be in a wheelchair or whatever. And there's a lot of those uh, knocking around. Well, Way but, more than dead people. And actually, that reminds me, and I guess I kind of even missed it, but I was reading that Georgie is in this episode when they're at the Bing at one point, and Georgie's the one that, remember, he was going to leave because Tony finally kicked his ass for the last time. But I guess I love that little detail that, like, no, something worked out. You know, Tony paid the bills again, or he eventually just <laughs> had to come back, so he's just still there. I mean, luckily, Tony hasn't beaten him up again, but yeah. Uh, yeah, little Paula gets tossed out the window and yet again, it's someone that has to get yelled at that's going to handle the medical bill. Yep, absolutely. And, uh, so, um, Tony's like, no one's very happy about this. There's a scene in between, um, where, um, Tony wakes up and Carmel's really upset that, uh, he lets AJ go to a strip club and he argues that, like, they're, they're college kids. This is the way back into, like, college life. He's hanging out with frats. Frat guys, what do you think is going to happen at the if he does go back to college and he's out there socializing? I think he makes a bit of an uh, impact on her um, with these arguments that he's actually out there having a good time, even if Carmela doesn't like the exact situation. Yeah, um, and I mean, is there something wrong with me? Because I kind of feel like he's right. I'm like, no, I think this yeah. is correct. <laughs> Yeah, he's correct, except uh, the acid thing, which we'll get into. Yes, um, yeah, like, if it downside. was an actual, just normal frat party, uh, I don't know, maybe all of the cool frat parties have acid features now? I don't know. I don't I don't live in the U.S. We don't have frats here, Jim. You tell me. Yeah, maybe not. I, was, I wasn't in a frat either, though, so maybe I just don't know. Since I didn't pledge and get approval, I missed out on all the foot acid. <laughs> That they it does seem like a frat thing, to be honest. Like, you got to burn the pledges. Like, oh, we're all the same people, so you got to burn your fingerprints yes. off because we're all part of the frat or something. I don't know. Oh, creepy. Either way, <laughs> we then have Christopher showing up uh, to talk to Tony about this whole situation. And this scene is intercut 
with uh, Polly actually going and fucking up the lawn, which is an interesting thing. I often wonder, as I've mentioned recently, like how much is decided in the edit uh, of if it was supposed to be cut with this scene or not. Um, but either way, uh, Christopher's really upset. Uh, or no, sorry, I, I mixed that up. So uh, obviously Christopher's not upset because he's the one who recently did the bad <laughs> thing and he doesn't know about the lawn yet. But then yeah. later he calls and he's upset about the lawn. Um, well, cause but yeah, yeah, anyway, but going, yeah, they add it cause it feels like not Sopranos the way, yeah, it, kind of, but it also really works. Like it works mm. well the way it's like intercut with like Tony's upset because you know, he's at, he has to deal with this bullshit now. And I think this is how you had mentioned, um, he brings up how he told Chris to wait and they're going to go talk to him, but he just took off and things just kept escalating. And I think they bring up as well, like if you were around more, these things wouldn't get out of hand like this. But again, now we're getting back into Chris's whole problem. It's like that he can't. He's trying to do what they told him to do, uh, get clean. Uh, but, you know, he's damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. And Paulie's yep. just terrorizing Chris's family, meanwhile, and tearing up the lawn. And because the lawn uh, obviously is, I mean, it's a big deal because we know it's an expensive lawn, but of course they got Salvitro in the pocket and it does come up later. It's more, yeah. the insult obviously is more that like his wife and kid are there and they're being terrorized <laughs> by a maniac. Yep, absolutely. And the, like the whole neighborhood's going to see and, and so on. But interestingly, so after when he calls Tony and, you know, talks about all this bullshit, Tony says, I'm like, ah, don't do anything rash now. Just relax. And, and he says... He basically says the right thing of like, I'm not going to do fucking anything because I love you and I'm committed to my work and fuck you. <laughs> so uh, it's interesting that he goes this route here because it feels maybe he got all his aggression out earlier. I don't know. Um, or maybe it's just the talking to that Tony gave him about being around and your it's your actions have an impact on how like how things escalate too. So if he chooses just to play it cool, I think he, he chooses to play it cool because of that, but then that also the underlying tension and anger is what leads to him going, you know what, fuck it, I'll have a drink then. Uh, everyone wants me to, so fuck it. Yeah, and uh, like the, the Soprano session kind of brings up that it's, it is almost a mature choice for Chris, even though he is yelling, but that he doesn't, He's kind of not giving Tony what he wants because Tony kind of wants him to give him bullshit so he can yell at him more, but he yeah. takes that away. And they kind of compare it a little bit to Janice's uh, when she was dealing with therapy and kind of doing better, and that didn't rub Tony the right way. Uh, so I think that's kind of like that's kind of like an interesting takeaway on that. Um, and yeah, yeah. So he just because because Tony is a little like annoyed when he has to hang up the phone and not kind of get to shit on Chris and tell him to, like that it's his own fault or whatever. Yep. Um, so then we see this, uh, you know, AJ's gone to another party, a frat party at a frat house. Um, and, you know, there's this guy who owes money and they're like, uh, this is when they say the line. This is Tony Soprano Jr. And you got to pay, etc." And um, then we have Tony for the eight millionth time coming down the <laughs> stairs in his robe and Carmilla says yeah, no he's not in yet when he asks if AJ's still asleep and so I think she's been swayed by his argument where she says you know what it's just nice having him not lay around here in a heap of depression so you know what I'm not going to complain yeah yeah it is like hey he's out 
he's out getting fucked up, but uh, at least he's not here watching cartoons. So yeah, <laughs> that's great. We don't have to deal with it, so that's good. Uh, then what? Then we have uh, Chris shows up and they kind of squash it, uh, or seemingly squash it. He comes in, he talks to Tony, um, and gives him gives him some money, and then he goes to to see Polly at the bar, uh, and they both kind of are apologizing. But then you're right, like what you were talking about before, where he does decide to have a drink. And it's not to remedy this this particular situation because it's already fixed. But it's, yeah. you know, the the needling from earlier finally is like, you know what? Fuck it. I can just have a drink. Can I? What am I, a pussy? Yeah, I'll just hang out with my friends. Just have one drink. What's the worst that could happen? And you know what? It probably would have worked out if Polly wasn't such a piece of shit. <laughs> Because yeah, yeah. you cut forward and he is kind of sloppy drunk and he's trying to make some point and Polly just keeps throwing in these little comments where uh, Christopher is too drunk to follow and everyone's laughing and they're all laughing at him and he doesn't even get why. And so, yeah, he just storms off later. And uh, well, because, yeah, because like a friend could have a little funnier expense there, but also a friend could be like, all right, come on, you know, you've had enough. And then even if you're going to be like, oh, I'm not even drunk, uh, I could have one, no, I'm fine. But your friend's like, no, nah, no, nah, don't worry about it, let's go. But yeah, Polly's not going to do that. And we get to have a nice slow-mo pan of the laughter again, very similar to when Feech wasn't laughing at the joke uh, yeah. that Tony told. And I mean, and it's even like, it's not even like the jokes are that harmless because he's, he's talking about his daughter and he's like, you know, a kid, it's like, it's a piece of you. And, uh, you know, he's getting all like lame deep, but you know, he's drunk and he, he loves his daughter. And then Polly's like, uh, oh, who, who gives a fuck? She'll be working here soon. Or, you know, she'll still be in fourth grade. Uh, like, cause what she says, like 2027, which is like right around the corner. Uh, yes. Uh, he's like, yeah, 2027, she'll be in college or something. He's like, no, nah, she'll be in fourth grade if she takes after you, but she'll be working here. So who gives a fuck? And everyone's laughing. And then ah, I forget what one of the jokes he makes. And then Chris is like, what? No, that's not what I meant. Because I, <laughs> I love that he's not picking up what's happening. Like uh, that he's like uh, that, the, you know, you have a kid and you look into their eyes and you see a piece of their soul and it's like they're looking up at you and they're saying, and, oh, that's and right. Paul, he's like, ah, yeah. oh, how do I put myself up for a abo- uh, adoption or whatever? Yeah. And he's like, she um, wasn't adopted. Yeah. And exactly. I, I love in the slow-mo shot because the way Tony has this fucking twisted grin on his face and he's blowing yeah. cigar smoke out. So he does look like devilish almost. And there, yeah. then there's also just this thought of like, these are my friends. Yes, <laughs> very good point. Because uh, they're all and and they're all laughing at you, and they're not very good people. And because we're near the end of the Sopranos, I'm like, I'm totally, I would totally believe that he would just take out a gun and shoot Polly in the head, like yeah. because there are moments like that, and he, and we've been through this type of cycle so much, and so that's what I basically come. I I think that's gonna happen. Well, with everything that's been building up and 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 all the intentional and well executed anticlimaxes we've had, it would make sense for it to come seemingly out of nowhere in a scene like this, where 
he would either shoot him right here or just go outside and, and wait till he's out there and go like, hey, Paulie, adopt this. It's like, what? And then he gets shot in the head. Yeah. <laughs> like, or shot in the throat. And then he's like, <laughs> like that could happen in The Sopranos. Uh, but it doesn't. But something similar does happen. Yes, yeah. And in between all that was, we, we'd mentioned it a bunch of times with the, the uh, acid on the foot. And it is a, it's a nice shot and reaction the way it pushes in on AJ. And he's kind of like, yeah, poor, poor the acid. Like, this is what we're doing now. Hey, this is making me feel something. Because <laughs> yeah. that's the thing. He hasn't yes. felt anything throughout. And then later in the scene, when they come back home at the same time, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm just kind of wired. And he sits down and his foot's tapping. It's like, oh, cool. This is cool. So yeah, he's, the, he's found his addiction. Great. Yeah, he's got the adrenaline going. And, yeah, he feels alive again. Um, yeah. And what, in between that, yeah, we get the laughter. Oh, so yeah. Now we visit JT, the the Hollywood writer who you know was Chris's sponsor at one time, and they've had quite a uh, tumultuous relationship. Chris shows oh, yeah. up crying because it's like who who can he talk to now? Because his friends are all laughing at him. They also <laughs> pushed him to drink. Uh, I get, of course, he made the choice himself, but I mean, it, it's it, you can't argue that they didn't push him to drink as well. Uh, and JT, yeah. of course, does wants nothing to do with this. He's kind of he's he's on a comeback. He's got Cleaver coming out. He's working on Law and Order now. He's got a deadline. Good for him. I forgot. I, I forgot that JT was actually his sponsor at one point, right? I, yes, I think. Yeah. So, but then since then we've had this other character around uh, as the guy, and he's away. Like as uh, JT just wants to call his sponsor and get him help that way. But you can't, and he kept keeps saying things like "yes" because when we use, we're not good people to be around. <laughs> and he is annoyed at Christopher, and he's not afraid to let him know. But then also, Christopher's the guy who's like had him beaten up and whatever, and but then forced him into writing a script that he must have made some money off of or something. I I don't know. But he, now he is working on an actual real television show, and someone else must have finished that episode of Law and Order because uh, Chris uh, Chris didn't let him. Uh, get him to the cut to black point he uh he shoots him in the fucking head yes um so uh yeah that's a thing uh what the fuck jim yeah yeah jesus because it's like he keeps trying to admit stuff and he's doing his old chris thing where he's like the stories i could fucking tell and it's you know similar to back in the day when he's telling tony how he could sell his stories to hollywood but he's also talking about how he could just take everyone down with one phone call and if he told his story, he, this guy would have been a liability and it yes. would have made sense to shoot him. Christopher shoots him because he's not allowed to tell his story. It's the most petty yes. shit thing ever where he could have killed Paulie with what, much more justification or Tony. Uh, and instead, he drunkenly takes his anger out on this guy for just not, for, I, I, I guess that's how I read it, for not listening to him moan about having to get his girlfriend killed so then he kills him too because he's he says you're in the mafia and Ugh. he's like fine and shoots him yeah and i and i think to to your point before about how you wouldn't be surprised if he did take a gun out and shoot Polly. and yeah this is like the next best thing for him like he's still got enough yeah. wherewithal to not do that because of the issues it would cause but you know i guess Polly's he's the jt's Polly's stand in here um, because yeah, you know what? I guess it does show that either way he would have been dead. So if he did happen to just listen to Christopher, Christopher would have eventually sobered up and then be like, oh shit, 
I told JT all this stuff. I need to kill him. But instead, you know, yeah, he doesn't listen to him. So it's like, fine, I'm going to kill you then. <laughs> yeah. It's like, uh, once again, the mob stuff, all the mobsters are actually fine. And it's the pretty much innocent bystanders yeah. that take the hits. And it's literally just his, it's not even fueled by crime and like trying to get money. It's just his emotional fucking state that uh, lets this happen. And um, I don't know. I feel like uh, Christopher's really, uh, I don't know. I guess he's following in Tony's footsteps in that he's really showing that, yeah, no, I'm still going to be an interesting character to watch. But like morally, even (laughs) Adriana and that, it's like you can kind of justify it you know, in a perverse way of, like, he had to do it, he would have got away, whatever, and he had to choose his family. This is so, like, there's no possible justification for it at all. It's just such a a fucking indulgent piece of violence born from his drunkenness, and I'm sure he'll regret it, but he's not going to regret it enough to be, like, you know, uh, enough of a... I don't know. He, he, it's a, Christopher's done, you know, in, yeah. in the way we would talk about a character and their moral gra- high ground or whatever. This is The Sopranos, so no character really has that. But as far as a character, I can really care that much about what happens to him. It feels like in this moment, it's like, well, Christopher, you shot him, but you shot yourself in the foot, too, where I'm just like, yeah, fuck it. Like, yeah. Get rid of Christopher. This guy's the worst. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll got to put one up on the old counter then. Uh, poor JT. He feels like he's been around for a while. Uh, farewell. Gatsana Malanga. So it's 74. indeed. 74 yeah. to 17. That's 74 deaths, 17 walkouts. Um, Chris does at least attempt to kind of wipe some fingerprints off the... Uh, doorknob or what have you uh, yeah. on his way out but it's like, like a dumb one in in like so many other ways too because he's <laughs> so connected to jt yeah like he he's the mob guy who made a film with him and like the film is all about their real mob people and like uh you know enhanced versions of them and it, they're so known to be associated, and Christopher is so known as a violent uh, criminal. Uh, I don't know, man. His fingerprints are all over that place, anyway. So, did it? Uh, was yeah. it a big like what the fuck surprise moment uh, when when it happened? Or I mean, you were mentioning yeah. that you were almost expecting it with Polly, or not expecting it, but you wouldn't have been surprised. Yeah, I thought he would beat him up or whatever, but uh, I guess we've been down that road before. This is just yeah. that to a greater extent. No, it was definitely a big, uh, big what the fuck for me. Yeah. Then after that, we have Tony getting home, and when AJ comes speeding up, Tony, we see some of that paranoia. Tony's got like a sawed-off shotgun in his center console that yeah. he pulls out because he gets a little worried that like, oh, this is it. You know that they're finally coming for me. Uh, but no, it's AJ. And uh, we get to end on a classic. I mean, we we saw them have a dinner scene like outside in the previous episode, but it wasn't the core, just the core family. And it feels like we haven't had a classic dinner table like the Soprano clan all together. And we get to have it here. Uh, it's late night, I guess. Carmen Meadow stayed up to watch Rachel Ray on The Tonight Show. Uh, Tony uh, came home from his night of debauchery. AJ's come home from his night of debauchery, and 
you know it's it's like there i like that i feel like karm's thinking like hey you know the family's back you know we're back and it's like no you're yeah. not <laughs> well i'm kind of it, you're looking at the scene like it is like a nice uh family moment they're all together even though it's late at night and they all happen to be up and they've all been off doing their own things but i'm also like well we know what tony's been doing and we know what aj's been doing and with that in mind i have to assume uh meadow she wasn't on a date she was just on pills and (laughs) carmilla i don't know was fucking the gardener like (laughs) there's just there's gotta be bad stuff with them too i i I refuse to believe that it's as picturesque on their end as it seems because uh aj's AJ's making jokes. He's like, ah, ha, ha, like uh, something about, uh, you know, the date, her date, I don't remember. But Carmela's so smiley, and it's like, no, it was the violence that did it. And um, and then we get a shot of Christopher uh, fixing a tree and then going inside, kind of showing this is where AJ's going to end up. So well done, everyone. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. So another good episode. I'm really, like, I'm excited to get to the end with you, but I'm, I'm already getting like a little bummed that yeah. we're going to finish the Sopranos. Uh, Me too. cause yeah, I mean, I think, well, by the time this podcast goes up where it'll be like towards the end of January, we started, uh, we just were looking up before we started recording. We put our first episode up in January 17th of 2008. So yeah. it's been quite a journey. Um, doing it the old fashioned way of uh, uh, not just like binging it in a, in a week or a month or whatever, uh, kind of doling it out, letting the episodes sit, discussing them, having you, the listener, enjoy the ride. So, yep. But we still got some left, so we're going to savor them. We got to, we got to, we got to, we got to cherish it. So we are. And if you want to invite other people to go along on this journey, if you think it's worth doing it, um, we'd really appreciate a review on Apple podcasts. Uh, or wherever you get your podcast, really. And um, besides that, you can always check out showswhatyouknow.com for our other shows, such as Real History, where we talk about historical films and TV and how it relates to the real history of that time. And, uh, of course, Blank Meets Blank, where we draw two random things from a hat and just brainstorm, make up a new television show in an hour based on those two random inputs. We also do talk about other television shows as well on there, just general television talk. So check in for that. And uh, in your review, or if you want to email us at showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com, you can let us know what other shows you'd like us to cover, whether it be episode to episode after we finish The Sopranos, or if you just, we we do also do other shows that are just kind of like, we talk about a show in one episode, you know, and sum things up more so we have that as well at showswhatyouknow.com if you want to recommend a show showswhatyouknowshow at gmail.com absolutely a lot of great information there's only one thing left to say oh Jim what's that cut to black <laughs>